0: Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Thursday, December 12th, 2019. My name is Jay Zawoski. A lot to get to on today's podcast. Although Wednesday was an off day for the Blackhawks, we're sort of living in the shadow of the 5 1 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, the Calvin DeHaan injury. There are a lot of things to discuss. The Blackhawks also will face off against the Arizona Coyotes tonight at 8 p.m in Arizona so hopefully they can get off uh, the little bit of a slide they're on here losing 4-3 in the shootout on Sunday and then of course 5-1 on Tuesday night to Vegas the other big thing that happened on Wednesday San Jose fired their head coach Pete DeBoer and as soon as that happened my Twitter lit up with Hawks fans saying this is the guy the Hawks should hire they should go after Pete DeBoer Pete DeBoer is a very winning coach he's done a good job in San Jose but I truly did not know enough about Pete DeBoer aside from looking at his record on paper. So I hit up Kyle Demetrius, who is the host of Locked on Sharks on the Locked on Podcast Network, and he's going to give us an in-depth interview on if Pete DeBoer would be a good fit for the Blackhawks or not. And after the interview, I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Is this the sort of guy you want around a team that is at such a crossroads right now? Before we get into any of that, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast Locked on Blackhawks at gmail.com is the email address. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. There you can follow my personal account at JayZawaski670 and my other podcast, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. Thank you to the Lockdown listeners who have have checked out the Madhouse podcast and vice versa, The, the Madhouse podcast listeners who are with me there for five years who made the trip over to Lockdown. I appreciate the support. Uh, from both the audiences, and now I think they're becoming one, which is absolutely wonderful. All right, so here we are, a bit on the precipice of what could be a huge turning point in the Blackhawk season. And as I'm thinking about this, as I, and as I'm calming down from the emotional five-one loss on Tuesday night, and the emotional night I had dealing with my computer issues, <laughs> I'm looking at this a little little more level-headed. And it's unfortunate because I do think. You know, it was just last week where I was making the case for some hope for the Blackhawks, right? Dabrinkit getting off the schneid, Dylan Strone coming back and uh, contributing right away. Hopefully, Jonathan Taze was starting to heat up a little bit. But then, all of a sudden, Duncan Keith is hurt and doesn't seem to be close. Calvin DeHaan gets hurt in Vegas on Tuesday night. Looks like he's going to be out for a long time. He was sent back to Chicago. Jeremy Cowden used the words, not good and did confirm it was his surgically repaired shoulder that was injured. So you're looking at at least a couple months, I would think, without Calvin Dahan. Um And now a team that's already pretty thin in depth when they're fully healthy is going to be really, really challenged. And uh, it feels kind of like we might not really ever know what this team could have done. So now the question becomes, do you play out the season... With Cowtan, with Bowman, and with some young players filling in for these veterans, and even when they do come back, Keith and Shaw and uh, DeHaan, chances are the Hawks will have fallen pretty far out of things. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll pick up a couple unexpected victories. They certainly have an opportunity tonight. They played well against St. Louis last time they played. Uh, Minnesota is not a team that's uh, there that's much better than the Hawks. I would actually think the Blackhawks are better than the Wild. Then it's Colorado, Winnipeg, Colorado. But if they can take, you know, four or five of the next six points, we can sort of extend the conversation, right, for another week or two of the Hawks possibly remaining in things. But these next three winnable games are huge for the Blackhawks. They're huge. They have to win them. But if they don't, and if things start to fall apart, do we reach the point where you just use the rest of the season for evaluation? Maybe you feel like it should be that way anyway. Maybe competing for a playoff spot, while wonderful, should not be the focus, right? If they make the playoffs, great, but I don't think they should go out of their way to you know, add a depth veteran just to try to get in. This is not a Stanley Cup team. I don't think at full health, even with everyone performing uh, at you know, their best or close to best level, I don't think this is a Stanley Cup contender anyway. So maybe the best thing is to focus on development. But that's kind of my question, is do these next few games dictate the direction of this season going forward? I don't know. See, Stan Bowman has to know that he's up against it. Can he save his job by making the playoffs? Can Jeremy Cowton save his job by making the playoffs? Or do the Hawks just say, screw it, this isn't working, and blow it up midseason like they did last year? I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. I don't think they're going to do that. Just knowing the Blackhawks, knowing the way they run things, it doesn't seem very likely to me that the Hawks are going to be willing to just blow things up midseason unless things get untenable. Unless you have players and coaches arguing on the bench, on the ice, at practice, in the locker room, whatever. I don't think you're going to see... Um, at least any soon, unless they truly, truly, you know, lose 10 in a row or something horrific like that. I know we, I, th- I think most of us, look, I said it a month ago, over a month ago, and I know a lot of listeners are right there with me that they could fire Jeremy Cowton today and I wouldn't be upset about it. Same goes for Stan Bowman. But at this point, with all the injuries, no hire you make mid-season is going to turn the team around, right? I don't think there's anything that's going to get them into the playoffs as it stands right now. So maybe you just let it play out. See if Jeremy Cowden can figure some things out. See if some of these young players can take a step and then evaluate come April. Um, but man, that's going to be a long four months until the season's over. If it's gonna look like it's looked um, for big portions of this season. In a little bit, you'll hear from Kyle Demetrius and he'll let you know, is Pete DeBoer, a guy the Blackhawks should consider bringing in, just based on the conversation I had With Kyle, I'm going to say no, because it sounds very, very much like a guy who's going to lean on veterans, not develop young players, and uh, it just doesn't seem like the right fit right now. Again, Pete DeBoer is a very accomplished coach, but when you look at the rosters he had in San Jose, he probably should have done a little more with those teams. They should have a Stanley Cup by now, and Todd McClellan should have won one. Maybe Pete DeBoer should have won one. Maybe Ron Wilson should have won one, but the Sharks should have a Stanley Cup by now. There's no doubt about that to me. Um, and I wonder, you know, is Pete DeBoer one of those A to B coaches? But now with the state the Sharks are in, where their veteran players are really veteran, like Marlowe, like Thornton, they just lost Pavelski, who signed with Dallas this summer. Now, they're, now their window is probably shut, even though they just signed Eric Carlson to a big deal. But even Brent Burns' best years are behind him. So... I don't know. It'll be interesting. Make sure you stick around to hear what Kyle Demetrius has to say about the uh, San Jose Sharks and Pete DeBoer. And of course, we're going to preview tonight's matchup with the Vegas Golden Knights. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a few minutes, we will talk to Kyle Demetrius of Locked On Sharks and get a scouting report or a coaching report, rather on Pete DeBoer, who was fired by the Sharks last night. Could he be an option for the Chicago Blackhawks? You'll want to hear what Kyle Demetrius from Lockdown Sharks has to say. But it's game night, so let's do as we always do and go behind enemy lines to take a look at the Arizona Coyotes. At the suggestion of an emailer, I'm sort of changing up the format of the behind enemy lines uh, segment. And instead of looking at the season as a whole, I'm going to look at the two teams over their last 10 games. I think that's a better way of doing it. I think it can sort of tell you how teams are playing right now versus how they were back in October when the season began. I think it's a more accurate depiction of what you can expect game to game. So the Arizona Coyotes are 18, 11, and 4 in 33 games. They're 5, 3, and 2 over their last 10. They were a plus 11 in goal differential at home, they own a 7-7-1 record. They're actually a better team on the road where they're 11-4-3. Not a super exciting team, not a team that generates a lot of scoring, but they also don't give up a whole bunch either. Um, they're they're a, a solid team, and they are going to be tough to beat, especially by the Blackhawks in the state they're in with the injuries they have. The Blackhawks over their last 10 are 3-5-2. They're 12-13-6 overall for 30 points That is second to last in the Western Conference, just four points ahead of the Los Angeles Kings. The Hawks are minus 14 in goal differential. Their record on the road is 5-6-3. When we look at the advanced statistics over the last 10 games, the Blackhawks are actually 11th in the National Hockey League in Corsi 4 percentage. They have 496 shot attempts for, 472 against. When we scroll down to the Arizona Coyotes, they are 23rd in the NHL over their last 10 games with a 47.26 Corsi four percentage, 440 shot attempts for 491 shot attempts against. So the Hawks are doing a little bit better in the possession category anyway. Uh, Again, doesn't mean much if you're not getting wins, but at least it's a sign that uh, they have the puck a little more than we're probably used to. And we look at high danger chances for, again, this is over the last 10 games, the Arizona Coyotes and Blackhawks are back to back. Arizona's 21, Chicago's 22. High danger chances for a percentage 47.24 for Arizona, that's 77 high danger chances for and 86 against. The Blackhawks are a 46.56%, 88 high danger chances for, 101 high danger chances against. We look at the expected goals for a percentage. Uh neither team very good. Chicago is 12th, 51.26 percentage in expected goals, 4 per 60 Uh, percentage in Arizona is 49.86. They're down at 17th. So I don't expect this to be a run and gun, high scoring chance, uh, you know, kind of relay race sort of a game. Both teams are going to probably be a little more focused on defense, especially the Blackhawks, who I think are just going to, they might have to revert back to that boring ass style they were playing early this season because they're so thin defensively. I don't know. Like, they, they have to sort of protect the defense and protect the goalie. And you're going to see the forwards probably staying back more than they have when Duncan Keith's there and Calvin DeHaan's there. And they've got some defense when they feel they can trust. Now that Slater Cuckoo's going to be in, and Boquas is going to be in, and Gustafson's going to be in, and Gilbert's going to be in. Hopefully, Oli Mott is in, but he might not be in either. So you're looking at Connor Murphy as your one, Brent Seabrook as your two. That's not great. So I would expect the Hawks to sit back, the forwards especially, sort of stay in the zone, take some pressure off the Blackhawks' defense, and hopefully uh, they can capitalize on some special teams opportunities if they get any. Uh, But I would expect this to be a very defensive-minded game for the Blackhawks. Now I wonder if they have the puck and they're exiting the zone, Will they resort to just dumping it in like they did early in the season? I hope not. I hope they still, when they have the opportunity for offense, create a little bit, but you're not going to see them leaving the zone or playing as close to the blue line as they've been doing. You're going to see the Hawks forwards come back a little bit more and make sure that the defense has the puck support they need so they can exit the zone and sort of live to fight another day. I feel like that's going to be the way the Blackhawks are going to have to play at least until Duncan Keith comes back. It's Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Last night, the San Jose Sharks fired their head coach, Pete DeBoer, and I immediately was inundated with tweets that the Blackhawks should go ahead and hire the now former San Jose Sharks coach. And I pled ignorance. I'm too out of town stupid to have a strong opinion on this, so I wanted to get an expert on the show. So I reached out to the host of Locked On Sharks, also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. Kyle Demetrius is joining us here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Kyle, thanks for taking some time out. I know it's a busy day for you. It's
1: like Christmas came early or Hanukkah or whatever your (laughs) denomination is. It is, what is it, December? I guess December 12th when everybody will be hearing this, and it's quite the day in San Jose and mostly happy.
0: Well, Okay, so you're sort of leading us into the conversation here. What went wrong in San Jose? Because when we look at Pete DeBoer's record as a head coach – it's pretty solid. You know, last season, 46 wins. The season before, 45 wins. For, like, it, this is a winning coach. Um, what went wrong with Pete DeBoer? Why the sudden change of heart from, and maybe it's not a change of heart, but why the sudden firing uh, from San Jose?
1: The thing is, everybody, like, you You just look at Pete DeBoer on the surface. You say, look, he had 100 points and 99 points and 101 points, and he went to the Stanley Cup finals in 2015-16, right? Take a look at those teams. <laughs> Right, these are borderline all-star teams. Like 2015-16 had a 30, what is it, 35, 36-year-old Joe Thornton at still at the peak of his powers. They had Patrick Marleau, who's still good. They had Joe Pavelski in his prime, prime couture, a young prime hurdle, uh, prime Brent Burns. Like these teams were possession monsters. And even when you look at the team last year, Joe Pavelski's 35 years old and scored 38 goals or something like that uh, last year. They traded for Eric Carlson. They have Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, and a still decent Mark Edward Vlasic and Brendan Dillon on their team. Like these, these teams are stacked. These teams underperformed in theory. Um, and if you look back at the history of San Jose, they don't miss the playoffs. Missed it what twice in something like twenty years? Yeah, they've only missed they've only missed it six times in their twenty-seven year history, twenty-eight year history total, and most of those are front-loaded into the nineties. So. This isn't an organization that misses the playoffs, and Doug Wilson has done a good job of putting talent on the ice. So when you come at it from that angle, yeah, his record is sterling, but at the same time, you have to look at what he did in his tenure with what players he had, and I think it's it's pretty noted that he's never lasted more than four years in any of his stops. This is the longest he's been a coach in the NHL, mm-hmm. at, I guess, what, 4.3 years? Yeah. Um, so San Jose, it's no no secret, San Jose is, I think, barely above Chicago in the standings right now. If you look at it, I think they're they're wedged down at the bottom somewhere, above the Moribund Ducks and the even more Moribund Kings. But the team's just not good. Um, they're 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 just they're doing everything that you don't want to see with this team. Uh, and I think yes, Pete DeBoer can't play goalie because the goalies are abysmal. But at the same time, he plays Michael Haley over Jonas Donskoy. He doesn't throttle Brent Burns and Eric Carlson's minutes. Um, they're playing wild minutes. Brent Burns' his defense has fallen off a cliff, and he's still playing 26 minutes a night. He's playing Patrick Marlowe 18 minutes a night. Um, there's no discipline. They look like they aren't up for games. They're getting blown out by Tampa. So it's just a lot of little things that added up over four years.
0: Well, this sounds very similar to Jeremy Cowden. Uh The only difference I see is that maybe at some point Pete DeBoer had the respect of his players. I don't know if, if that's happened yet with Jeremy Colleton. Um What is DeBoer's coaching style? Is he a player's coach? Is he a hard-ass? Is he, you know, and how do the players feel about him?
1: So Joe Thornton just recently said that DeBoer is still their guy um, and he hasn't lost the room. Um, San Jose has, as a room, a unit of guys, is pretty quick to blame themselves when things go wrong. That's They have Logan Couture, they had Joe Pavelski, they have Eric Carlson, they have Joe Thornton. Like these guys are known speakers of their mind. They have Thomas Hurdle, who barely speaks English, so he just says what he wants. Um, So they're very quick to blame themselves uh, when things go wrong. So it's hard to read into what they said. But hes I guess he would be a player's coach. Nobody has ever come out and said, oh, we hate Pete DeBoer. There's been no... I know we're right in the middle of the whole hockey reckoning, I guess, when it comes to how coaches treat players. And, And Pete DeBoer openly was was defended by his players and stuff and nothing has come out about him so Joe Thornton tellingly a couple days ago said Pete DeBoer is a great guy he when he raises his voice you listen it's not often he raises his voice so he's respected um he's a players coach he's not he's not going to be Bruce Boudreau getting all red-faced yelling at referees and stuff like that he will he will do his part but for the most part he's He's just an even-keeled guy, and he has the respect of his players. But at the same time, we don't know how deep that goes because San Jose is pretty tight-lipped.
0: Well, my next question was going to be, how does he do developing young players? And I, I think he <laughs> just sort of answered that question where he's leaning on Marlowe and Burns instead of playing guys who are younger and, and maybe not as effective as those proven veterans, but guys that are probably ready to take the next step. The Hawks have Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist and, to a lesser extent, Dominic Kubelik and Dylan Secura young players who... At this point, looking at where the Hawks are in the standings, uh, probably need to get a little more ice time. We probably ne- need to start focusing on developing here in Chicago. Is DeBoer the kind of coach that is willing slash able to develop a young player?
1: Have you ever heard of Jonas Donskoy? I have. He's in Colorado. He, he's gone. Um, if you want to see Dominic Kubala blossom in place for some other team and never play for Chicago again, and DeBoer's your guy. But he it's weird because the the media here will defend him as, as a guy who has – given young guys a shot but they haven't gotten they haven't done anything with the leash but i mean Jonas Donsko was benched for Michael Haley like how how does that even happen um, the young guys that he did develop Timo Meyer was going to be a star regardless of who was coaching him right the the these all-star caliber sure. guys are just going to make their way to being all-star caliber guys it's the it's the guys it's like the dominant Kubaliks or Kubaliks who are Kubalik um, he's on my fantasy team, but that's only words. <laughs> I have no idea how to say it. Um, so Kubalik, he's he's a guy who's probably not going to be Timo Meyer, right? He's not going to be the superstar, preeminent goal scorer, but he could be a good middle six guy. And those are the guys that I think Pete DeBoer fails um, to really develop. And he he leans on he leans on his veterans that he knows are going to give them. So like Melker Carlson, who's younger, but he has no his his floor and ceiling is fourth line. So he leans on these guys too much, and he doesn't give. The young guy's a lot of runway. Every once in a while, a guy like Mario Ferraro will get a lot of runway, but he's good. So guys like Noah Greger and, and Leon Bergman and uh, Daniel, you're taken from this season. Um, they just don't get enough leash. And, and and if you don't play the way Pete DeBoer wants, a heavy forechecking, I guess, detail-oriented, and quotes, game, you're going to find yourself on the wrong end of the bench. And Daniel, you're taken a guy who has high skill, um, and needs to work on some other things, but the high skill guy doesn't get a chance. So I don't know how great it would be for Adam Boquist and, and Kubalik and, and Kirby. Do- well, maybe Kirby or doc will fit in cause he's a big Canadian boy, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, <if> you- <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> uh, but he is. So, um, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag and I don't know if he's the guy to lead a rebuild. Yeah. Cause if you look at, if you look at New Jersey, once the Kovalchuk and Brodeur and stuff kind of hit that old man cliff, they they fell off the face of the earth. If you look at Florida, they were young and weren't really there. San Jose was a veteran team when he came, and he just guided those veterans into playing well.
0: I've got one more question for you. And just to play devil's advocate, yeah, I'm sure there's people, and a handful maybe, in San Jose that don't like this firing, that don't agree with it. What would their argument be in favor of Pete DeBoer?
1: They went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2016. They've been a 100-point team for four straight years. Um, another defense would be that he can't play net. Martin Jones and Aaron Dell, I don't, I don't know if your listeners pay attention to San Jose that often. They probably don't. Only
0: when case. the Sharks are kicking our asses.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> do you remember the game at the beginning of the season? It was 6-5. Uh-huh. That's, that's a nightly occurrence. Martin Jones and Aaron Dell are two of the worst goalies in the league. So... He can't. He can't overcome a goalie who couldn't stop a beach ball, and he does make them to the playoffs. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year, despite Joe Pavelski's brain exploding on the ice, despite Eric Carlson's groin exploding in his pants, despite. Uh, well, where else is else it going to
0: explode? I mean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, besides yeah, besides Eric Carlson's being groin being made of popsicle sticks and, and, and pipe cleaners and Joe Kowalski got injured and there was Hurdle got injured briefly and all these guys get injuries and they overcame and went to the Stanley or uh, the Western Conference Finals. So that's what they're gonna point to is that he overcame these things that he puts winners on the ice and for me to play devil's gas in my own rant here, they should be better with Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Joe Thornton and Bogan Couture and Thomas Hurdle. They should be better than what they are. But hey, he won. His coaching record is what? Like a sixty or a five eighty winning percentage or something like that?
0: Yeah. Yep. He's uh he's got he's definitely has won some games. But your your point stands. I mean, look at the talent on the Sharks roster and while in like you said, while they are always in it and they advance far, they've never been able to get over that hump and they've definitely had Stanley Cup talent. Now, of course, they ran into the buzzsaw of the twenty tens Blackhawks, which is understandable. It's tough to <laughs> overcome that. But um, you know, but they should have probably won at least one Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's Todd McClellan into it's I guess it went Ron Wilson into Todd McClellan into uh Pete DeBoer And one of those guys should have probably won the cup. I I still see I, Patrick Kane doing that stupid heart punch celebration. I don't know. It was dumb. Um, but that's like still burned in my mind. And that was a good team. And the 2016 team was a possessed monster who ran into Crosby and Malkin. And, but again, in the 2016 finals, Pete DeBoer hard matched Roman Polak against Sidney Crosby's line. I don't have to tell you or any of your listeners how that went.
0: All right, listen. <laughs> the, we, could have, we could have skipped the entire uh, first ten minutes of this interview, and you just would have said in the twenty sixteen finals, he matched up Roman Polak with Sidney Crosby, and we could have ended the interview. That <laughs> that would have been enough. That yeah, would have been enough I, for yeah. me to know. Okay, good. <laughs> we don't. We, no need for Pete DeBoer in Chicago. We don't need uh, Brent Seabrook and his uh and his corpse like state. Brent lockdown.
1: Seabrook is playing 20, 24 minutes a night if if well, Pete DeBoer comes by.
0: They don't have a ch- well. Now he's going to have to anyway because Duncan Keith is hurt. Calvin Dehan's arm fell off. And uh, Olimata can't stop throwing up, so it's a bit of a bit of an issue in Chicago. But Kyle Demetrius from Lockdown Sharks, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day on a busy evening and joining us here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Appreciate it.
1: No problem. Have a good night and go Sharks.
0: That's Kyle Demetrius, host of Lockdown Sharks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow that show on Twitter at Lockdown Sharks. File f- file Kyle. Follow Kyle at Kyle Demetrius on Twitter. Thanks to Kyle for his time and make sure. You check out all the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. If it's your team, if it's a rival, they've got a podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Blackhawks. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kyle Demetrius of Locked On Sharks. I sure did. Going to start doing a lot more of that stuff as we move along here in the season, previewing some opponents, getting some news from around the league that affects the Blackhawks. Next week, we might check in on the Montreal Canadiens who have been scouting the Blackhawks heavily. Want to see what's on their mind. The Hawks don't play Monday or Tuesday, so maybe early next week we'll do a check-in with the Habs with our friend uh, Laura Saba, the Active Stick, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. So make sure uh, you check in next week. But we have one more podcast to go this week. We'll talk to you on Friday morning, reacting to tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes. Let's hope the Hawks get a big win for my birthday so I can have a smile on my face headed into the weekend because the Hawks play again Saturday and Sunday at st louis then home against minnesota let's hope it's a productive and winning weekend for the chicago blackhawks but again talk to you on friday morning with coyotes postgame and a whole lot more here on lockdown blackhawks part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day